piece of junk. Even to a guy like me, that's cold. I'm funny how? I mean funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. Back to the Cultural Wasteland, I am your host, Aaron Dawson. Joining me once again is Aiden McCauley. Hey there. Hey, how's it going? Good, how's it going with you? Pretty good. It's been a while since we've uh, sat down to do one of these. I went to Europe for like three weeks, and then you went to Montreal for like three weeks after that. And Yeah, it's been busy. Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of pleasantly busy. I forget, uh, why were you in Europe again? It's taking some time. Mm. Going on a trip. I had a friend living over there. Um, she was living in France for a bit, and uh, she was on a, a break. She was teaching uh, at an elementary school in Saint-Quentin in France, and so she had a two-week break, and so we took off to Barcelona for a while, and that was pretty excellent. Uh, highly recommend Barcelona if anyone is looking for vacation destinations in Europe. Nice. It's, uh, it's a really, really fun city. And you were working on top secret project in uh, oh, it's Montreal? Har- it's hardly, hardly top secret. I tell everyone all the time. I'm uh, working on a uh, screenplay with Austin Wrench based on the unsolved Janet Smith murder from 1924 in uh, Shaughnessy Heights, Vancouver. And uh, it's a uh, TV show pilot, and we've, uh, we're working on... We're actually nearing the uh, second draft now, and... Uh, Hoping to get that made at some point. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, I read the first draft. It's uh, it's good. I like it. Yeah, thank I, you. I really hope it gets picked up, actually, because I think I think other people are going to like it as well. But yeah, it's uh, usually my ideas for like movies and TV shows are kind of like, uh, wow, this is going to be really weird, and like six people are going to like it. And uh, but this is uh, one of the first ideas I've had where I'm kind of like, no, this is like a solid pitch. This yeah. is, this is like. If I saw a trailer for this in a movie theater or something, I'd be like, "Well, of course that got made." Yeah, no, it's it's really it's really accessible. I think solid idea. So, yeah, it manages to be accessible too without uh, seeming too uh, cliched or you know sort of played out. Yeah, I on the other hand have been working on much much weirder stuff <laughs> in my free time, uh, writing a, a mumblecore short that i'm hoping to shoot sometime you want to explain mumblecore in case some people don't know right okay mumblecore um indie film genre that appeared in the early 2000s um with films like funny haha and the puffy chair and hannah takes the stairs probably like the three like forerunners of of mumblecore but it's basically like micro micro budget uh feature films made with amateur actors and often little to no screenplay a lot of improvisation is done um like the Duplass brothers um Andrew Bajalski uh Joe Swanberg are like kind of like the Aaron Katz are like the four like big players in the mumblecore genre and they're often about like 20 somethings with 20 something problems that like no one other than twenty somethings with twenty something problems should care about, right? Okay, <laughs> and so it's uh, 
I don't know. It's it kind of sounds like a uh, subgenre that would be like pretty easy to hate. <laughs> it is, yeah. and and there's a lot of crap in in that <laughs> subgenre. Like, don't get me wrong. It like you have to weed through the the chuffa to get to the good stuff. But uh, there's solid. I don't know. There's a handful of films in that genre that are, I'd say, respectable and and actually like well made films. Do they? Uh, it, it sounds like these movies are usually kind of like a jumping off point for uh, filmmakers starting out. Is that? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Like, I mean, like Joe Swanberg um, started making films with like a little handheld uh, mini DV camcorder and his friends uh, in like an apartment in Chicago. And then now I think the last movie he did was Happy Christmas, which starred Anna Kendrick and Lena Dunham. And before that, he did Drinking Buddies, which had Olivia Wilde and Jake Johnson and Anna Kendrick again, and um, Jason Sudeikis. I think he was in that one. Yeah, I haven't seen that. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, so he's like he got he directed a couple of the VHS movies, like the segments, like, like the segments in the movies VHS and VHS two, I believe. He he had a. Uh, a segment in in each of those and maybe abcs of death and that kind of got him into like being able to get like bigger money mm. um that's cool so you've been uh sorry i just got distracted by the uh i got distracted by the thought of like steven spielberg making a mumblecore movie <laughs> like right now like it's like a kid who meets an alien in the forest <laughs> and then they just like talk about how they don't like their job and complain about having to pay rent and how like their mom doesn't understand them they think about like <laughs> maybe moving somewhere else but then at the end of the movie it's kind of like ambiguous yeah, they, they don't <laughs> they don't they just kind of decide to just keep doing whatever they're doing <laughs> oh man et like contemplates going home but then yeah. he decides to just like stay <laughs> he there's one scene where he like picks up the phone to phone home and he's like <laughs> And you hear on the other end, like, where, where, where? And he's like, uh, 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 and like hangs up the phone because he realizes, like, I'd rather hang out with Elliot and ride bikes and shit. Yeah, it's kind of like <laughs> awkward and relatable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. I got to tweet Steven Spielberg and be like, hey man, can you remake E.T. as a mumblecore movie? <laughs> I'm sure you have the puppet lying around somewhere. What would you replace the guns with this time? Oh, <laughs> uh, like flowers, like bouquets of flowers. Yeah. Something douchey and hipstery. Oh, that'd be so good. So anyways, I'm I'm working on a short kind of in that style. In the style of uh, Mumblecore E.T. or just Mumblecore? <laughs> just Mumblecore. But now I'm thinking about throwing it all away <laughs> and doing Mumblecore E.T. because that sounds way the hell more interesting. <laughs> Mumblecoreette. Oh, man. Yeah, so anyways, it's it's too early to really broadcast what this movie's about, but we can talk about it later off mic. But yeah, but it's kind of like... Uh, it sounds like kind of the aesthetic of uh Mumblecore thing is like uh not have too strict of a plan going in just kind of have an idea of the movie and yeah. like an outline and i mean i i have such a hard time doing that like i have to write it down like scene by scene kind of thing like 
Um, but I'm going to make it very clear to if I ever end up shooting it, which I hope to do soon, um, just like to the actors, just be like, if you come up with something that you think is good, go with it, riff off each other. If it works, I'll keep it. If it doesn't work, I'll, you know, we'll make adjustments. I'll tell you what, you know, what works, what doesn't. Just kind of make things up as we go. Cool. So, uh, just, yeah, experimenting a different kind of filmmaking, kind of something I haven't done before, really. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I'm uh, actually this month. I uh, I'm not sure if I've mentioned this to you, but uh, um, some friends of mine. Uh, it was actually Samet, Nick, and uh, Alex Shanky. We were all talking on Facebook one day about how uh, we would like to be uh, making stuff more often, and uh, I was like, because, you know, I, like, write pretty often. I, yeah. was, I was like, well, I have this script, and uh, it was that one Dave dies in this movie. Yeah. That one that uh, you were sort of, like, you know, it's just kind of pointless in a way. I was I was kind of like, if you want to make it, go for it. Yeah. And it's, but uh, I don't really have any harsh criticisms to give you in terms of like how you can improve this. Yeah, it's one of those it's one of those projects where like you're aiming so low that it's sort of like, you know, how can I how can I make this really great? It's like, well, this idea will just never be really great. Yeah, um, it, it's an idea that's like this is the idea, and you're either into it or you're not. Yeah, and if you're not, just like go to the bathroom and come back because the movie will be over <laughs> by then. <laughs> like. Um, like it's it's the movie where if you are like at a uh, screening and they're playing a bunch of shorts and you don't like that one, you're just kind of like that's the one I'm gonna step outside for. Um, but anyway, uh, that's a heck of an endorsement uh, for my it, yeah for my own thing. Work but on your elevator pitch a little bit. Yeah, I've got this idea for a show and it's like not very good. It would probably <laughs> get canceled, but like some people would like it. Um, that's not the idea for the show that no, I'm working no. on with Austin Rinch. That show is an awesome idea. Um, anyway. I can attest to this. It is an awesome idea. Yeah, this uh, this thing though that uh, I wrote, uh, Dave dies in this movie. Um, it's just kind of. It seems like it's gonna be some kind of quirky thing about two, like twenty something guys like getting to know each other or something. But then it just goes off the rails into like meta humor, self referential kind of like author masturbatory bullshit and then it just sort of spirals into nothing and like it's like it's like a movie whose script sort of like implodes on itself yeah and uh it's about seven pages long and uh so i sent this to uh those guys and uh they were like we should make this and i was like okay so we're going to uh, shoot that at uh samet's place on august 21st Oh, fun. Yeah, so that's cool. I'm uh, borrowing gear from, uh, well, maybe I shouldn't talk about the specifics of how <laughs> I'm going to do it, because yeah. then if something goes wrong, it'll be, like, documented that something <laughs> went wrong. Like, this is exactly what my plan is, and then it's like, It oh. just fucking failed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that sounds cool, though. Probably shouldn't even mention, like, Samet's place, but <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Definitely. Here's his address. Yeah. No, that sounds cool. I've been meaning, like I said, I wanted been wanting to shoot something for a long time too, because I just haven't. I kind of finished my documentary, and that was just an exhausting process that I was just kind of like, oh, gotta just not touch the camera or the Final Cut Pro for a while, and yeah. just because I I shot the whole thing myself, edited the whole thing myself, 
which was fun and I'm super proud of it, but it was like I don't know, I'm gonna do that again. Yeah. <laughs> that was um and then well and then I was I was gonna make a music video um for a friend of mine. Um but uh we didn't have any money to put into the music video. So now we're not gonna do that. Mm. Um he he had uh he recorded two songs and then decided that it would be better he'd got some ad- advice from the guy that produced the two songs to it would be better move to record like four more songs and have six songs that you can kind of put into like an album and give to labels and stuff and so um it sounds like things are uh he he put his money into doing that instead of uh doing a music video but it it sounds like things are are picking up with that album now and it could be getting a kind of release that's cool soon so um there may be other people's money to put into a music video i think that's fun i think you told me about this once the idea was like you could spend all of your own money making a music video about something that is unreleased or you could like focus on making an album and then maybe be able to finance it professionally yeah well like he was gonna he was gonna release the album himself and then we would have like the music video ready to launch, and then he was gonna try and have like uh, a campaign to be like, hey, these are it was just gonna be two songs, right? He's like, these are the two songs. This is a music video that goes with it. This is who I am, and please give me a record deal. But now it seems like um, that approach doesn't need to be taken anymore because there might be a deal of some sort in place. Again, I don't want to. Yeah, it's one of those things. Jinx it because I like I don't have the inside track, but it just like. From what I've been hearing, it sounds it sounds pretty positive on his end, and I mean, that's cool. I'm not naming names or you know organizations or anything, so people who know who he is will probably know because he'll have told them. But other people won't, so that's good. He's got um, a he's got a potential record deal at that yeah. at that place, uh, Samet's place, I think it's called. It was, yeah, Michael Samet's gonna release it yeah. for him. <laughs> but uh, president of Samet's apartment records, no. Um, he had gotten like an offer from a, a friend of his that has a record label in Norway. Oh yeah, I think you told me about that. And he was like, "Oh, that'd be cool to get like released in Norway," but then they kind of backed out of that deal because they're like, "Oh, actually, we don't have a lot of money to put behind another release this year. We kind of put all our money into this other release for this other guy, and we kind of need to wait for that to pay off before we can afford <laughs> to put our stuff. It's a very shoestring operation is kind of what it sounds like. So, so what you're saying is he's going to be huge in Norway. Potentially, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there there could be, that could be coming down the pipe. So the, the idea then is that uh, this guy you know may become more successful soon, and then uh, possibly you'll be doing a music video for him. Hopefully, hopefully okay. the hopefully the the manager or the label doesn't step in and be like, "You can't have this guy direct your music video. He doesn't done anything." We need to get Wes Chu to do it. <laughs> yeah, damn it, Wes! If you get, because uh, I actually talked to Wes about this is funny. <laughs> <laughs> I had messaged Wes and been like, "Hey man, do you want to come be m- be the DP on this um, music video that I'm shooting in uh, in June?" And he was like, "Oh yeah, that'd be fun. I I should totally, I would totally love to do that. Send me the details." And I sent him some stuff, and he seems like he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. This seems like I could probably do that." Um, I was like, "Cool. We're just trying to like finalize where the location's gonna be and everything." 
And then the next week, I sent him an email like, hey, man, so all the money's gone, and we can't make the video <laughs> anymore. <laughs> um, yeah. All the money's gone. That reminds me of, uh, <laughs> did you ever see Real Steel? No. <laughs> I always think of, there's a line in Real Steel where Hugh Jackman's like, I spent the money on a robot. It's gone. And it's <laughs> just like, because, you know, the boxing, robot yeah, boxing movie. It's Rock'em Sock'em Robots, the movie. Yeah. And I always uh, I always think of that. It's like, just sent, sent Wes an email. Just, I spent the money on a robot. <laughs> <laughs> he just sends me an email back. There's always money in the banana stand. Wink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. So that music video might happen. And that's cool. Yeah. Th- that's the... The short way of saying it. Okay. That might still happen. Um, yeah. But hopefully short film will happen first. The, the Mumblecore. Mumblecore. Not the E.T. one. Not the E.T. one, but that, that, holy shit, I'm writing that next. That's yeah. going to be great. That would be... <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's one of those ideas where it gets like incrementally funnier the more authentic it is to the original. So if it's like actually <laughs> like a really good looking E.T., yeah. but he's just like calling on his parents and it's just like they don't know who i am anymore yeah. like et when are you coming home um uh, i don't know maybe thanksgiving i got some laundry to do bye mom oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, fucking a that is a great idea but so uh so anyways uh music video might do it mumblecore want to do it yep. and uh I wrote the thing with Austin. We're nearing the end of the second draft on that, and I'm shooting a short film this month. Yeah. Well, that's the summary of our lives at present. Uh, oop. Cool, yeah. Have a good week, guys. Bye. No. no. Um, um, I, uh, I had something I was going to fucking talk about. Oh, yeah. Speaking of Arrested Development, which I don't think we name-dropped, but Banana Stand yeah. is a reference to Arrested Development. Um, I realized... Uh, the other day, as I was rewatching the Lego Batman trailer for like the fiftieth time, yeah, hear that as I was trying to like think of what's the funniest number I could say, but I've already committed to the F. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, I was watching that and I realized, uh, oh my God, this has uh, Will Arnett as uh, Lego Batman, which you know I've always known, but then I realized like fucking Michael Sarah is gonna be Lego Robin, yeah. And I just think that's hilarious now. I love the idea that they're going to... It's like Job and George Michael yeah. as Lego characters. And so now I'm even more excited for that movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Lego movie had Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill as Superman and Green Lantern. I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Super funny. So yeah. I, I think the whole like Lego movie franchise thing could turn out to be like a a really good thing yeah i think i mean you know definitely more excited for the lego dc universe than the actual dc universe i saw um you haven't seen it yet so i'm not going to spoil it too much and uh yeah we could talk suicide squad a bit if you want it's it's you know like the day after the official release or two days after the official release so uh i don't you know some people haven't gotten a chance to see it yet yeah i'm I'm probably gonna go this weekend i think yeah we'll see I don't want to get super into it, but basically I didn't like it. And now I am really, really concerned about the future of Warner Brothers and DC because I'm just like, with Man of Steel, I was like, 
okay, it's pretty, it's lots of big problems, but uh, mostly I like it. And then Batman v Superman, I was like, wow, I fucking hate this. And then yeah. Suicide Squad, I didn't like it. I'm just like, it seems like, seems like a lot of iffy entries, you know? Yeah. Talking about Batman v Superman reminds me of something that I have, I'm kind of, I'm angry about in a way. It's not directly related to Batman v Superman, but they did that um like ultimate edition or whatever, the like 3 hour director's cut, the yeah. R-rated one. Yeah. Have you seen that? I have not seen it. Okay. I read the reviews of that one and it, a lot of people who were like I fucking hated this movie cuz it didn't make any sense were like, "Oh, all the stuff that they cut out and put in the ultimate edition helps make a lot more sense of the crap that was the first Dawn of Justice. So, like, you should watch this. If you haven't seen it, just watch this one. So I was like, all right, you know what? Maybe I'll watch that one because it kind of got mediocre reviews or, like, more positive reviews than the other one. So I went to, like, iTunes, and I was like, oh, maybe I'll rent it. Can't rent it. You can't rent it? You can't rent it. You can only buy it. Oh. I go to Google Play, Amazon Video, can't rent it. I can rent the original cut, the theatrical cut of Batman vs Superman and all those, but I can't I can't rent the the ultimate edition. And I started looking into like other like big kind of movies and there's a whole bunch of them where like you just for whatever reason you can only buy them on the on these platforms. Hmm. Like I I um a fan of the first Pitch Perfect. I don't know if you ever saw it. I have not. I thought it was really funny. And so one day I was bored and I was like, you know, I never saw Pitch Perfect 2. I want to see Pitch Perfect 2. Same deal. Went to iTunes, Amazon, Google Play. Couldn't rent it. That's weird. It is weird. So it's like, you know, they're trying to cut down on piracy and people downloading things illegally. Now with the death of video stores, you know, but they're not making these things available if it's not on Netflix or I guess Hulu if you're in the states if it's not on Netflix or Hulu like you can't stream it anywhere you kind of have to purchase the movie yeah how much uh, like what's the price difference like between uh, possibly renting it and just buying it well okay usually an HD rental is like 599 499 to 599 and a uh SD refer uh um rental is either like 399 to 499. Okay. Um and I usually just rent it in SD cuz it doesn't matter and then I just put it on my TV and it looks fine. Mm. Um save myself a dollar, but so like and then like to buy it usually it's like 19.99. Like 20 bucks. That's yeah. I mean, sometimes you can get them if they've been out for a while. Sometimes it's like, oh, 11.99, 14.99, that kind of thing. And I'm like, still, if it's not a good movie that I haven't seen before, like, I'm probably not going to pay that. I mean, you could make the argument like, well, you'd pay it to see it in the theater, but like, that's kind of, that's a different experience. This is a thing that's going to be on my laptop. Yeah. You know. Theaters are uh, a whole other thing that's kind of bothering me right now. I uh, just, you know, we can put. We can put the uh, Suicide Squad thing to bed. We don't need to go into it. We'll talk about that. Yeah. We'll talk about that sometime after more people have seen it. But well, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go see it, so I can we can get together again after I've seen it, and then we can rip it to shreds or 
Yeah, or a praise. Debate about it, yeah, whatever. Whatever the case may be. But basically, I wasn't that thrilled with it and uh, for lots of reasons. But uh, uh, what I really fucking hated was uh, at the beginning of the experience, you just go into the theater and there's uh, all of the uh, pre-show stuff talking about apps, talking about the benefit of uh, how you, you're you an idiot for coming and getting a ticket in person. You could have gotten it online. You could have done everything online, do everything online. And then that ends, and it's like, okay, the movie would start at 4 p.m. It is now 4.05. It is now time for... I mean, I'm being facetious. I yeah, know, I yeah. know it's time for car commercials. Yeah. So we watch... <laughs> We watch uh, car commercials together. We all watch these big, loud, obnoxious commercials. And basically, we're just looking at, like, various ethnicities of 20-something people around the world smiling and doing activities. Talking specifically about that Jeep commercial? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> it's there. It's like, four by four by land, four by four by sea. Yes. Four, that's yeah. exactly the fucking one. <laughs> that's exactly it. God damn it. Yeah, and... Oh, every Cineplex movie ever. And it's just like, you're just looking at these smiling people, and then it's like, Jeep. It, it It's just fucking the best, man. <laughs> <laughs> you're like... If you don't have a Jeep, fuck you. If you don't have a Jeep, kill yourself. Unless yeah. you have a phone. This phone <laughs> is better than the other phones. You should get this phone. Wait, we disagree. You should get this Nexus car. You should... So you sit through yeah. about 20 minutes of people telling you stuff you should buy, and yeah. you're like, 30 minutes ago, I came here for Suicide Squad. Can we watch Suicide Squad? Okay, so then we watch the trailers, and, you know, the trailers are whatever. They're just whatever the movies are. Any good trailers? Uh, I can't remember. There was that trailer for uh, War Dogs with uh, Miles Teller oh, yeah. and that looks Jonah good. Hill. I, I want to see that. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like... Uh, I want to know who directed it. Was it Todd uh, Phillips? It was Todd Phillips. Yeah. Uh, it was a hangover guy, right? Yeah. Hangover, and uh, he did the underrated uh, due date with uh, Robert Downey Jr. and uh, Zach Galifianakis. Oh, okay. I was thinking that that was a Lindsay Lohan movie. Did she do something called due date or overdue? or? I don't know. Baby bump? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so... Todd Phillips, he seems like an interesting filmmaker. He seems like he, like I've heard some stuff about Hangover 3, how it's kind of like the subtext of that movie is him being like, I think I'm done with these movies. Yeah, well, I mean, like, because Hangover 1 I thought was really funny. And Hangover 2 sucked the fat one because it was basically just Hangover 1 in Thailand. Right. It was not funny. And I never saw Hangover 3 because of that. Yeah. So. I think... uh but I don't know. Todd Phillips could be an interesting uh, guy. War Dogs. That's the one trailer that sticks in my mind. I yeah, I saw that that as well at the beginning of Star Trek. But yeah, that, that one looks good. I, I'll probably end up seeing that one. Yeah, it's... I don't know. We'll see. But uh, it sort of does that obnoxious uh, trailer thing where it's like, you know, there's some sort of... It starts with some sort of action scene and it like freeze frames on the guy's face and says... My name is Who Gives a Fuck. I'm I'm 22 years old, and I'm an international arms dealer. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're supposed to be like, how did that happen? And then the trailer's like, here's how it happened. <laughs> and it's, yeah. you know, it's one of those things where it's like, 
the like mechanism of the writing underneath it is so clear and so transparent that you're kind of like fuck you. Yeah, I like I like the the first trailer for that a little bit better where it starts out with them like in the Pentagon meeting. I don't think I've seen that. Oh yeah, it's just like it's like zooming in on this one dude and he's like talking about like you guys um you know, how did 220 something blah 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 land a Pentagon contractor Oh, that's what the news guy's saying. But it's like he's like talking. He's like, "Yeah, and you came in, uh, or your your offer was just too good to pass up." And then like cuts to like Jonah Hill and Miles Teller just like sitting there, like, "What what do you mean by that?" Uh, well, you came in way cheaper than the next competitor. It's like how how much how much cheaper? Like you came in fifty three million dollars below the nearest competitor. I just like like. Oh, okay. And then, like, cuts to Jonah Hill. He's like kicking the wall in the hallway. He's like, mother fuck. And then it cuts to, like, how did two 20 somethings land a $300 million Pentagon contract? And it, like, launches into the whole right. War Dogs trailer. But yeah, I should try to watch that trailer. But uh, anyway, that's the uh, one trailer that I can remember. And uh, also, anyways, you hate movie theaters, though. Yeah, I, uh, I hate the advertisements specifically. I hate the. Uh, I hate. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, this is the worst thing, though. Um, after the trailers, you're thinking, okay, here comes the movie. And instead, you get this, like, banner ad that's just, like, it's not, like, creative or artistic or anything. It just, it's an ad right, like, seconds before the movie starts that just says, like, you could watch this online or something like that. <laughs> it's like it's like you know. Oh, is it like the the super ticket thing? Super ticket, yeah. Yeah. And it's just like big, bright, kind of orangey red, and you're like, okay, here comes the movie. Boom, no, and yeah. it just like totally takes you out of the experience. You're like, what the fuck? And then yeah, they're trying to get you more money. They're trying to get you to go spend like forty dollars or whatever it is to get the super ticket so that you get the digital download when the movie comes out. Yeah, and it's just like. And then, like, it goes into, like, the opening, like, logos of the movie without, like, any time between the Super Ticket promo and, like, the DC logo. So it's just kind yeah. of, like, it's just, like, you know, Super Ticket, fuck you, DC present. And you're, <laughs> like, what? Like, well, th- yeah, like, that's when, like, when The Force Awakens came out. I remember yeah. that was, like, super weird because they don't have the 20th Century Fox fanfare. Yeah. Anymore, and they don't do the Disney like. Yeah. Like fucking Tinkerbell and shit. It's just like Lucasfilm silence. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, silence. And people are still kind of like, "Hey man, when's the fucking?" And you're like, "Oh shit, yeah, fucking there we go." Yeah. Yeah, it's. So that's 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 I don't I don't like super ticket. I don't like people you know what what's that song from the Jeep commercial? I can't remember it. Four by four by <laughs> yeah. Four I don't by like that. <laughs> I don't want I don't want that in my life when I go to see Suicide Squad or Star Trek Beyond or any of this shit. I yeah. and it's like every single time I go to a fucking theater these days, I think to myself, I should have fucking watched this at home. Yeah, and it's fucking horrible. Well, my big thing is like I'm ne- I'm almost never gonna go see a movie on opening weekend anymore, with the exception of like Star Wars because I have to see that like the second it's available, for fear of spoilers. Fear of spoilers, and I'm just a fucking junkie. But right, like everything else, I'm not gonna go see opening weekend because you can never see anything not in 3D. I know what the fuck. 
I saw uh, Suicide Squad yesterday at 4 p.m. because it was the only showing that wasn't in 3D. Yeah, they'll give you like some shitty matinee time. Yeah. In 2D, and then other than that, you have to wait usually a week, um, and then you can get one or two more regular screenings. Like I had to drive. I live in Abbotsford, so I had to drive like 15, 20 minutes, depending on traffic, down the highway to um, Mission so that I could catch a late show in 2D. I did that after work on uh, Thursday for Star Trek. But, yeah, because it was just like, I don't want to I don't want to pay the extra money to s- for having an experience that I hate. Yeah, it's... Uh, like, it's never worth it. I mean, I've had some 3D experiences that are like, okay, this is really cool. But uh, yeah. the... Uh, like it's just so clearly like post converted. Like the thing you saw Star Trek Beyond in two uh, D. Yeah, I really fucking wish that I had because there were actually sections of Star Trek Beyond in three D where I just try as I might, I just like couldn't fucking see what was happening because the scene has been color corrected to look dark. Yeah, because it's at night and there's like action happening. Yeah, and then on top of that, you've got these uh, glasses that are cutting down. Like what you can see by yeah. like by like thirty percent. Well, and like I, they say that they do two color timings for the movies, but I don't believe them. Yeah, like they say that they do one where it's like they make it brighter for three D because they know that you're gonna be putting on the glasses and it's gonna be, you know, making everything darker. Yeah, I have a really hard time believing that. Yeah, because there were like, uh. Maybe we should throw out spoilers for Star Trek Beyond. Okay, yeah. Star Trek Beyond, spoilers, starting now, going for a while. Yeah. Uh, so basically, uh, you know the scene where uh, they're like on the downed Enterprise, and then they have to like ignite the engine to uh, start like flipping it over? Oh, yeah. Like the, the saucer section of the yeah. Enterprise, and then it crushes that chick. Yeah. Um, that whole section, there were like big parts of it where I just couldn't see what it's was happening because it's just too dark. Yeah. Was the ending cool um, in 3D? Because I was watching that like when they're on uh, whatever it's called, Fort uh, uh, Yorktown. Yorktown, that's what it is. When they're on Yorktown and like, has, all the cities are like upside down. Yeah, they're shit, all like they're that. all sort of converging. That was a cool design. I I thought that was really neat. I really fucking love that design. That's exactly right for a science fiction movie. That's like some fucking hardcore rendezvous with Rama shit. That's yeah. awesome. And you you just know like when they first show up at Yorktown, and you're like, and you see like where all the cities converge. You're like, oh, they're gonna have an awesome action scene in yeah. like fucked up gravity at the end of this movie. Yeah, and it's and then Scotty even says that he's like, as soon as you get to the center of that thing, gravity's gonna go haywire. Yeah, and just so much of that movie <laughs> is like, just yes, like, do it, go haywire. <laughs> so much of that movie is just spent being like, you know. Hang on, don't go there. Something awesome's gonna happen. And then like five minutes later they do the awesome thing. Yeah. And it's great. It's but like, you can't go to Crawl's camp because a big action scene will ensue. And yeah. you're like, Oh, I can't wait for that. And then it's like, Hey, where'd this motorbike come from? <laughs> that was like, the one thing. Okay, there's one time where just like my suspension of disbelief was like, Well, that can't happen in this fake movie that's not real. You fucking idiots. And that's when they beam Kirk and Jayla onto the road and the motorbike is already moving at like top speed. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's that's a good point. I'm like, what the hell? Maybe they were like dri- they started driving away from the ship and then got beamed closer. No, I thought you had to be on an energy well no, because they can beam people out 
It can beam to not an energizer pad. Yeah, but you always beam back to the ship onto the transporter pad. I don't know. It's it's very. Yeah, actually, that's Star a, Trek fans explain this to me. That's an interesting point, actually. If you can like pick people up from a planet without their like permission, basically. Yeah. Which is what happens to Spock and uh, Bones. And Bones. But uh, if you can do that, then can't you just be like, you know, like, hey, Chekhov, we're gonna send you down to the planet, and Chekhov's like in his room, like what, like, <laughs> oh shit. It's like, guys, I don't have a shirt on. Ah, oh. just like on the planet in his boxers. Yeah. Speaking of Chekhov, made me sad. Oh, yeah, that's Real. that's a bummer. Um, I really like Anton Yelchin from uh, Fright Night, which uh, I know a lot of people maybe aren't into, that uh, yeah. Craig Gillespie uh, Fright Night remake from October of... Or no, it was actually from August of 2011 uh, with Colin Farrell as Jerry the Vampire. Yeah. And uh, Imogen Poots as uh, Anton Yelchin's uh, love interest. If your name is Imogen Poots, don't you think you'd get a stage name? Nah, man. Poots is an awesome <laughs> name. <laughs> I've thought about changing my name. Aiden Poots. <laughs> Aiden Poots what? That w- yeah, okay. Aiden puts the lime in the coconut. And he drinks it all up. And drinks it all up. All right. But anyway. Um, yeah. No, it was a bummer. I, I never saw a green room. Oh, yeah. I, I haven't seen it either. Cool. So I'll put that on my list, but definitely got yeah. No, it was uh, that's that's kind of shitty, and I know they noticed they kind of paid tribute to him in the credits. In the credit, uh, did they pay tribute to him in the credits? Yeah, it says uh, it says dedicated to Leonard Nimoy, and then after that it says for Anton. Okay, which is nice. But that when uh, um, Kirk is Kirk uh, makes the absent friends toast. The first thing you see is it, like cuts like. And he's like right in the center of the frame. Yeah, it's like there's other people in the shot, but it's like very clearly your eye is going to him. Yeah, and it's uh, it's nice. I guess you know his death happened late enough in the production kind of uh, timeline that yeah. they couldn't really restructure the movie around it. But uh, I like they they like clearly did what they could to sort of be like, we miss you, buddy. Yeah. So that's and they've uh, announced that they're not going to recast the role. Oh, really? Yeah, they've I said. I didn't hear that. They said they're not going to recast uh, Chekhov. So they might say that he just left, or they might say that he has passed away between movies. Which mm. I think uh, of the two, I think uh, I'm not really sure which I would prefer. I like how they handled the, the oh uh, the Spock thing. Yeah, I yeah. Li- I thought that was great. That was good. I think if they just do it like. Um, yeah, he he decided to, you know, take a desk job or something at a, you know, at Deep Space Nine or something like that. And they throw a wink to like, hey, Deep Space Nine exists. Yeah. And then um, just kind of never mention him again. Yeah. For like a long time. Cause and, then, and then maybe later you could be like, oh, hey, Chekhov. Chekhov's dead. Yeah. Or be like, hey, this is Chekhov's cousin. Other Russian guy. Yeah. Check something on. like that. Yeah. <laughs> Check on. <laughs> uh, or they could bring it. What was the name of that Vulcan chick that they brought in for like. What was Star Trek 2? Um, played by Kirstie Alley in 
Or did she play it in Star Trek 3? They recast it between Wrath of Khan and Search for Spock, and Kirstie Alley played it in one of them, and I can't remember who played it in the other. I can't, uh, I don't, I don't. I don't think I've seen those movies. So okay. Oh yeah, that was the other thing I was going to talk to you about. So like, how, how you you enjoyed Star Trek Beyond? Yeah, as I, a movie. Yeah, I fucking I really dug it. Cool. Yeah, I I also like it too. I think it might be my favorite of the new series so far. Yeah, I really uh, I didn't notice while the movie was happening, but in retrospect, I thought about it and I was like, oh, that's what I like. I uh, I really like that they seem to be over. Um, cocky kirk um, yeah i really like that he's like just the captain now yeah he's he's not like the you know he's not the cocky like kid who's like you know i fucking beat the unbeatable test want to sleep with me like yeah he's yeah. he's not doing that whole shtick anymore and that's and that's good and it it's uh because it's kind of great as a writer because you can just like rewrite the character a little bit and then just be like, oh, he matured as a person, like in space. Yeah. Like, he's just, he's just, you know, they've been in space for three years and now he's a different guy. He also, but di- at the same time, he also died, so. Yeah. Like, but at the same time, it's like, well, he was never that asshole on the TV show, so we're going to make it right. Yeah. And that, that's the other thing. Like, Robert Ortsy and Alex Kurtzman are like, we're such huge Star Trek fans. We love the original series, and I like I watch the 2009 one, and as as much as I love that movie, like don't get me wrong, I really like the 2009 Star Trek. I'm kind of just like, are you sure you're a fan? Yeah, of, of Star Trek because I don't I don't get that vibe from these characters. Like Spock feels authentic, but kind of no one else does. Yeah, Actually, Bones, Bones, they got right right from the beginning. Carl Urban has literally always been the best part of these movies yeah so i really liked 2009 star trek i i liked the first hour of into darkness until he tells them that he's con and they're like whoa dramatic twist and oh my god who's that (laughs) yeah (laughs) like that means a thing probably yeah if i had seen those other movies i'd know what you were talking about because i remember i remember walking out of into darkness being like i hated that <laughs> and if there are whales in the next one i'm going to flip my lid yeah and just like storm out of the theater be like no fuck it no you lost you lost you can't do it it's over you ruined it you ruined star trek fuck re- you guys i remember you saying uh after you saw star trek in the darkness saying like i am now concerned for episode seven <laughs> yes, because it was right around the time, too, that J.J. Abrams was like, yeah, we're going to make it less about the new cast, and we're going to make it more about the old cast, and making sure they get a proper send-off. And I'm like, hey, dickhead, they got a proper send-off. It was called Return of the Fucking Jedi. <laughs> Did you not see it? Did you not see how it ended? Yeah. It ends with like a big group money shot, where they're just like standing and partying with Ewoks, and Lando's awkwardly clapping in the background, like, hey, this is a good time. And they're all smiling, and then it irises out, and you're like, that was perfect. Everything about that was perfect. It was perfect. Don't what? ruin it. Don't fuck it up. It was perfect. And, yeah, there were there were a couple of things uh, around the time that that movie was in development where it was kind of like, what the fuck is going on with that movie? Yeah. And luckily, he didn't fuck it up, so... Yeah. Um, I think th- That's good. Like, I was just worried that it was just going to be, like, old Han and old Luke... And old Leia running around with old Chewbacca. And there's even, like, new characters in the background that you kind of didn't like. Yeah. 
And I'd just be like, ah, oh, I fucking, I don't want this. Why did you do this? Like, you know, just like, let's do a greatest hits of Star Wars, and we'll put an Ewok in there, and there's a hut, and like all this stuff, and... Yeah. You know, and it really... I didn't feel like he tried to do that at all. He gave you a couple of things, like you get, you know, the big reveal of the Millennium Falcon, and you get Han Solo and Chewie coming into the Falcon with the Chewie were home line. There's a couple moments where you're like, oh, nostalgia shot to the heart. But... The uh, chessboard... The chessboard, yeah, a couple things like that, but, like, he kind of did the opposite of what he said he was going to do, and, like, it was really about the new characters, and, and Han Solo took a backseat for most of the movie. Yeah. Like, was he was, I would say he's a supporting character in that movie. It's not... Yeah, definitely. He's not the lead, so... Nice thing that's about... good. Nice thing about uh, Han Solo in The Force Awakens, I guess, spoilers for The Force Awakens, too, I guess, Um, although who hasn't seen it now? Um, But... There's someone. Yeah. Actually, I'm pretty sure my sister hasn't seen it. What a dick. Yeah, what a <laughs> dick. Fucking asshole. But anyway, <laughs> um, nice thing about Han in uh, The Force Awakens is that he's, like, convincingly just some old bum. Like, yeah. <laughs> like when uh, those uh, guys from the raid guest star and they walk into the Rathtar smuggling ship and they're just like, you're just some old... Oh, oh microphone is like you're just some old dickhead han we all know about your tricks we all know that you don't actually pay anyone you're just fuck you han yeah and you sort of get the sense of like yeah everyone in the galaxy must be sick of this guy's <laughs> antics like everyone, yeah. everyone's just like no fuck you get out of here well uh, yeah it's kind of like because a lot of people's concern was like how is jj abrams gonna get you know grumpy old harrison ford to look like he cares again and it's like simple He's just going to make Han Solo grumpy old Harrison Ford. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it works. Like, you know, Harrison Ford looks like he actually kind of cares. And he also, like, only has to care for, like, like, if you imagine how long, I don't know how long he was filming, but, like, it must have just been, like, we just need you to give a shit for, like, three weeks. Yeah. And then you'll be <laughs> done forever. <laughs> yeah. And there's there's one scene that I think is is kind of weak, performance wise from from Harrison Ford, and that's when he's talking to Leia about Ben, where he's like, "I saw I saw our son," and then you know like, "How am I supposed to reach him if Luke couldn't reach him?" And she's like, "Luke's a Jedi, you're his father," and that scene's kind of weak. Not just because Harrison Ford, like Carrie Fisher, isn't great in that scene either. Yeah, a lot of that feels kind of like. But that was that was the only kind of scene where I was like, you could have tried a little harder. Everything else I was pretty happy with. But there's a bunch of stuff in that movie where uh I like I couldn't tell if uh the performances were lacking or if it was like a lack of exposition because I'm just like so fucking curious about how Ben turned to the dark side. And I'm so curious yeah. about and it's one of those times where I'm like well, you know, the last time people were curious about a Jedi falling to the dark side, it turned out to be a fucking shitty idea to depict it. But uh, I don't know. It's uh, I, yeah. I think the important thing to remember with with the Force Awakens too is like it's Act One. Yeah. Right. Like a lot of people are like they didn't explain this and they didn't explain that, and it's like just hold your horses. Like there's two more movies coming. And if by the end of Episode Nine you're still like, well, that didn't make any fucking sense, then you can be like. Then you have legitimate complaints, but 
Yeah. It's it's part one of a trilogy, so they're to give to show your hand in the first act is kind of a, a mistake, I think. So yeah, I think that uh, I I feel like that's gonna be a thing that's explored more with uh, Ray and Luke on yeah. uh, that planet uh, with the training and whatnot. I feel like yeah. that's gonna be like like I've heard uh, Ryan Johnson or someone uh, associated with the uh, production say that this is going to episode eight is gonna be the first uh, Star Wars movie to begin exactly where the last one left off. Yeah, which kind of raises a couple of questions about, like, what do you put in the opening crawl? Yeah. Last time on the Star Wars movie... Ray <laughs> offered the lightsaber to Luke and dot, 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 and pan down to the same scene. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could kind of set up, like, what everyone else is doing. Yeah, like, it, or it could uh, just be, like... It would uh, be like in the aftermath of the destruction of the Starkiller base, Leia and the Resistance are trying to like gather the scattered remnants of the res- of the New Republic. Blah blah blah. Yeah. And then you like have Poe Dameron doing some sort of action scene, and then cut to Finn waking up and being like, "Where's Ray?" Cut to Ray like offering the lightsaber to Luke. Yeah. So there's your first act, Ryan. You're welcome. Yeah, go re reshoot it. Oh no, reshoots. Yeah. Um <laughs> <laughs> reshoots are fine. <laughs> people always reshoot stuff. So yeah, I I wasn't too concerned about that. I know a lot of people kind of got their panties in a bunch about like, oh no, they didn't explain who Ray is and they didn't and I'm like they don't tell you that, you know, Vader is Luke's father until Empire and like the end of Empire. So like you can't just throw all the information out right away. Just be patient. Yeah. It's uh the internet has made people impatient. Yeah, I think I think that's a fair assessment. <laughs> um it's made people impatient and it's also pushed uh entertainment into extremes of worst thing ever or best thing ever. Yeah. There are very few just like okay movies. Everything is either a piece of shit or the most amazing thing. Yeah. Well, that's why uh do you follow Mr. Sunday movies at all? Uh now and then. Okay. He whenever he rates a movie, it's either um yeah, best movie ever, or like, or worst movie. I can't, he has a. I don't think he says just says worst movie ever, but he has something else that he says. But yeah, so he's like, I was watching his review of. Um, uh, I can't remember what movie it was now, and, and he's like, um, so I'll give this movie a best movie ever, I guess, because <laughs> it's not, it's not terrible. Yeah, but I don't, maybe it was Jason Bourne. Maybe he did a, yeah. a review of Jason Bourne. He's like, yeah, I guess I'll give it a best movie ever. I'm like that's fun. I like that he does. It's not like like I'm gonna give it a three out of five stars because that way you can't have people come like you piece of shit. You gave this movie three out of five stars, but you gave a different movie that you said you didn't like as much, three point two out of five stars. You're a fucking hypocrite and a terrible critic. That's so yeah. why you just be like, it's like I guess it's the best movie ever, even though it, it, it yeah you know yeah it's fine. I don't really uh. I don't really care for rating systems uh in terms of movies. I'm more interested in like. Like, if you say a movie is 7 out of 10, uh, I'm usually just like, oh, why do you think that? And then their answer to that question is what I actually care about. Yeah. I'm never, like, no one has ever given me a numerical or alphabetized, like, rating of a movie, and I've been like, oh, that satisfies my interest, you know? Yeah, like, I think when I saw Jurassic World, I posted on Facebook, like, Jurassic World was so good. It's exactly what I wanted in a summer blockbuster. 10 out of 10. And yeah. then some people are like, wow, that's a pretty bold rating. And then other people wouldn't see it, like, 10 out of 10? Really? 
you piece of shit. Kill yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go, go fucking shoot yourself in the cunt, you fucking dick. Yeah. Like, Whoa. <laughs> Unfriended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. No one told me to shoot myself in the cunt. It's fine. Yeah. But there was a lot of people that just like, whoa, 10 out of 10, you're a fucking idiot. I'm never trusting your opinion on a movie again. And I'm like, it was not a literal rating. It's just like, I went to that movie and I had the most fun that I ever had this year yeah. watching a movie. Like, you know... Avengers came out, and then Jurassic World came out. And Avengers, I left being like, meh. And this one, I left being like, oh, hell yeah. Fury Road. Okay, Fury Road is yeah. fucking great, too. Fury Road is an anomaly. Um, But anyway, yeah, Jurassic World. Yeah, I get what you're saying about how like they're sort of like impressionistic ratings, where it's yeah. kind of like, this movie just was amazing. And uh, sort of like impressionistic, sort of like... uh semi um uh, what's the word hyperbolic yeah that's sort of hyperbolic ratings uh yeah i like uh what mark the film critic uh mark kermode does i, I say his name slowly because mark kermode um <laughs> but uh he does a neat thing with where he doesn't he never like rates a movie he just like uh his like uh, co-host of their radio show, Simon Mayo, will just, like, mention... He'll bring up a movie, and Mark will just, like, talk about it for five minutes. Yeah. And, you know, you get the impression from hearing him talk about it, sort of all of what his thoughts are. And uh, that's uh, that's more interesting to me than any sort of, like, two... Sure. Well, even on, like, half of the bag, yeah, they're at, at the end, they're just like, so would you recommend Star Trek Beyond? And they'd be like, yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd recommend it. Yeah, um, and some often they'll have a caveat. They'll be like, "Don't take your grandma to see it." But yeah, yeah. So, uh, oh yeah, that was that was another thing about Star Trek Beyond, uh, a sort of frequent criticism that I think I agree with, which is that uh, a bit too uh, fast. I thought, uh, feel like I there were a couple of scenes where I feel like they could have taken their time if they wanted to. Yeah. I think that's a fair assessment. But, I mean, again, they say in Half in the Bag, like, if your main criticism of a movie is that you wish it was longer, then... That's it, a good... Yeah. That's a good sign. But, so, uh, um, staying on Star Trek for a second, what kind of, uh, like, Star Trek fan are you? Like, I, I are you... Would you call yourself a Star Trek fan? Or, I like, would what's your history with... Uh, I would not call myself a fan. I am uh, sort of aware of the pop culture of Star Trek. I'm aware of, you know, the Vul- the Vulcan salute. Right. And uh, I'm uh, aware of, like, the nerve pinch and uh, all of the sort of iconography of Star Trek. Um, I never watched the original show. I've never watched any of it. Um, okay. I, you know, actually the most I've ever watched uh, authentic Star Trek prior to the Abrams movies was the Half in the Bag reviews. Or not the Half in the Bag, the uh, Red Letter Media reviews. The, the Mr. Blanket ones? Yes. And okay. uh, so I'm sort of vicariously aware of uh, classic Star Trek through that. Okay, yeah. But uh, then the first time that I was ever like, oh shit, Star Trek is cool, was the 2009 movie. Which I guess makes me the ideal audience for those movies. Yeah, I think so. And yeah. uh, especially when you consider that I would have been like, uh, I don't know how fucking old, 15 or 16 at the time. Yeah. And just being like being like a teenager and being like, what's Star Trek? And then seeing it and being like, that's Star Trek. But uh, uh, I recognize that like some people don't like those movies because they're sort of just like popcorn movies. Yeah. And Star Trek is more about, like the interesting thing about Star Trek is like 
the science fiction ideas that are being explored. Yeah, it's it's a it's a utopian kind of future idea a lot of the time in Star Trek. Um you know, the idea that mankind and alien kind and everything is united under one banner and everything they do is for the betterment of themselves and not um like as a whole and not like yeah. individually like I was just watching um first contact because um there's okay so like all the star trek shows including the animated series uh are on netflix right now in canada and then there's none of the original movies but some of the next generation movies are on uh, netflix so i was watching the first contact movie and he's talking about they go that's the one where they go back in time to make sure that the borg don't stop um the vulcans from coming in contact with the first guy to achieve warp flight um and he's like talking to one of the people in the past like yeah we don't have any money in the future because it just doesn't matter like personal wealth is not what drives our society anymore and so that's kind of cool um but yeah i was i was i was a bit more of a of a star trek fan um prior to the 2009 movie like i um one of my parents' friends lent me like the VHS box set of the first five original series movies when I was a kid because they found out he he was like a Trekkie and he found out he's like oh you like Star Wars oh man well, you got to see this and he gave me like Star Trek and I was like I watched the motion picture and I'm like six <laughs> and I'm watching Star <laughs> Trek the motion picture and I'm like this is boring why why doesn't anyone kill someone else with a lightsaber in a bar yeah. this is stupid. And I uh, threw on Wrath of Khan next because I was like, oh, well, there's like five of them. I'm not doing anything with my life at this point because I'm six. Might as well watch them. And so then I like threw on Wrath of Khan and I was like, oh, shit, now this is a movie. Yeah. And, like they're throwing beetles down people's throats and shit. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, and then they got more entertaining from there. So my my experience with Star Trek is mainly from the movies. And like the original series movies, and then I I saw all the next gen movies too, and I caught, I'd say I'd probably seen about two dozen episodes of the Next Generation, and about you know like a handful of episodes of the original series, yeah, um, uh, and like one or two episodes of Deep Space Nine and Voyager, but yeah, it's uh, I'm so I'm going back though to watch some some more of the original series and some of next generation because there's actually some really good tv there i think so with uh with the release of uh the jj abrams 2009 star trek what was your sort of uh feeling about that oh i thought it was awesome yeah you just loved it yeah i was like oh this is great it's like an excellent action movie star trek is cool yeah you know now i can kind of because you'd never i mean like i was never a super fan of star trek right like i enjoyed the movies and stuff like that um and if people were like, hey, man, do you like Star Trek? I'd be like, yeah, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, once once the 2009 movie came out and people who were, like, not Star Trek fans were talking about how awesome it was, or even people who, like, like, I had my, one of my friends was like, I straight up fucking hate Star Trek, but that movie kicked ass. Like, I love that movie. Yeah. So I was like, that's cool. That's cool that Star Trek is back. And I'm curious about the new tv series that they're doing discovery discovery even though it, oh, the fucking cbs pissing me off because like the pilot is going to air on tv and then you have to get their 
exclusive streaming service mm. to watch the rest of it, and I just know it's not going to be available in Canada. Yeah. So I'm going to have to like pirate it somehow. See, it's not my fault. They're <laughs> making me steal their shit by making it unavailable, like readily unavailable. Okay, so uh, <laughs> just quick recap. You uh, love 2009 Star Trek. Uh, so good. Didn't like Into Darkness. Piece of shit. Uh, and now you really like Beyond. Yeah. Cool. Very excited for Beyond. Very yeah. excited for the next one, too. Yeah. I hope Simon Pegg sticks around to write it. Have you uh, heard the thing about uh, Chris Hemsworth? Of course. Yeah. That's an interesting... Of course they're doing that, because he's famous now. Yeah, it's an interesting idea. Um, Whatever. I don't know. I think it's stupid. I fe- <laughs> it feels like one of those things where you're sort of retroactively like, hey, he's in our franchise. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, like, is it going to be like a spinoff? I feel like it's going to be like a time travel thing. Okay. The, uh, I'm kind of... I s- mean, to be fair, the best Star Trek movies prior to J.J. Abrams involved time travel. Right. <laughs> Two of the best Star Trek movies in Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home, where they have to go save the whales. Excellent Star Trek movie. And Star Trek First Contact, where they have to go stop the Borg from assimilating planet Earth. Hmm. Um, also an excellent Star Trek movie. Uh, probably the best Next Generation Star Trek movie. Maybe the only good Next Generation Star Trek movie. That's um, First Contact? First Contact. Check it out. It's on Netflix. Cool. Would recommend. Um, like, those... They, so, if you say, like, oh, yeah, we're going to do time travel, I'll be like, okay, that, yeah. Yeah, I'm open to that because it's worked well before. But if it's something dumb like Kirk has to go back in time to save his dad, yeah, it's like no, you don't. I <laughs> I, I kind of like the idea that uh, I don't know somehow like I mean it's really fucking stupid, but somehow like you know when he fucking flew the ship into when he flew the Kelvin into the uh, Nero ship he. Uh, actually created, like, a mini wormhole and, like, s- spat him out, like, many years later. And yeah. So, so, like, it's not that they go back in time to try to save him. It's that his, uh, su- you know, his supposed death is actually something that sent him into the future. That'd be cool. It'd be great if it was done accidentally. Yeah. So it's not, like, we, we're going back in time to save your dad. It's, like, we accidentally get sent back in time and then encounter your dad. That yeah. would be cool. Yeah. Or, like, somehow Kirk's dad gets thrown into the future, and then we got a Hem- Hemsworth, Pine. Pine, Hemsworth. Double team Captain Kirk thing going on. Yeah. I think uh, someone who's been weirdly absent from these movies is uh, Kirk's mom. Uh, mm-hmm. so I feel like having uh Kirk's dad be hurtled into the future could be an interesting thing of like, you know, having him, like it could be a really sweet scene to have uh Hemsworth. I I forget who played uh Kirk's mom, but it was she was on House. Yeah, she was on How I Met Your Mother too. She played uh, uh what was her name? Claire. But like you know, yeah. When you think back on how sort of like heartstring pulling that fucking first scene in the two thousand nine movie was, it would be Zoe. And it was no, not Zoe. I don't know. Might have been Zoe. Um, I haven't seen Zoe? how How I Met Your Mother, but uh, that sounds familiar. 
I think it was Zoe. Or was Zoe um, the chick from Scrubs' name? I don't know. Did you watch Scrubs? I did not. Okay, never mind then. But yeah, when you think back on how sort of like emotionally powerful her, uh, you know, phone call with uh, uh, George Kirk was um, yeah. before he died. And then you imagine like from his perspective, he just like gets hurtled into the future and like meets his son in the future and like has a scene with his wife in the future. And she like sees him for the first time in like 30 years or 32 years or whatever. Yeah. That could be a really sweet scene. And, you know, with how uh, emotionally powerful the uh, only other scene with George Kirk was, I feel like if they were going to bring him back, they would want to pay off that sort of emotion somehow. Yeah. I Like I said, it's not like time travel hasn't worked before, so I'll, yeah. I'll reserve judgment to until uh, I kind of get a better idea of how they're how they're doing it but yeah looks looks uh like star trek is is back in a cool way now yeah it's uh kind of like it was back and it was like oh maybe not and then it's like oh yeah no it's back yeah it's it's i was really uh i like uh star trek into darkness just because i like that cast and those characters but yeah i don't i mean i don't hate star trek into darkness just every time as uh, everything after him being like i'm con i'm just kind of like that movie has a weird problem where I couldn't tell which act we were in ever. Like when they when Spock is like chasing after uh Khan on Earth and you know, like Merc- jump- mercilessly beating him in the face. Yeah. As Spock does so often. With like a wrench. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was stuff like that. I was kinda as that was happening, I like my writer brain was like paying attention to the structure and I was like Oh God! I think this is the climax, and I was like, "But it's so lame." <laughs> like, I would have loved it if he just like dropped onto the ship and then like Khan like turned around to punch him, and Spock just like did the neck pinch, and he dropped. <laughs> and it's like, oh man, they couldn't they couldn't make him immune to that. Yeah. Okay, because like they already like beat the crap out of him back on Kronos. After he saved them from the Klingons or whatever? Oh, yeah. Well, he didn't beat the crap out. He, like, punched them a bunch, but it didn't, like, affect him. Yeah, it didn't affect him, but they were just, like, they were trying to beat the crap out of him. Kirk, specifically. Yeah. And he was just like, I'm fine. Yeah. Still. So, it was kind of like, well, you proved that didn't work earlier, so why would rage-filled Spock hitting him work any better? Yeah. Like, you know. The, rem- ne- the neck pinch would have been a cooler and smarter way of killing off Kirk or killing off uh, Khan, I think. It or, was or like immobilizing him. It was also kind of a uh, a disappointing thing to realize that that was the end of the movie because that was actually the first production still that ever leaked from the set was uh, these like sort of uh, photographs of. Uh, Spock using the nerve pinch on the then unnamed uh, Benedict Cumberbatch character. John Harrison. Yeah. yeah. By the way, I went into uh, Star Trek in the Darkness, almost went into it not knowing that it was Khan, um, because I was purposely avoiding spoilers. I was going into it, because I, I also avoided spoilers, but I was going into it praying that it wasn't Khan. Yeah. Like, please, 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 Jesus, don't let it be Khan. I'll be good, I swear. 
Yeah. Just don't I let s- it fucking happen, please. I, s- <laughs> I swear this time, just don't <laughs> let it be con. But then he, uh, yeah. I I had someone say like some a friend of mine. I remember actually we were on the sky train going from. It doesn't matter, but I remember it very clearly. Yeah. A friend of mine said, yeah, and then uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, blah, blah, blah. It's cool that he's playing Khan in the new Star Trek movie. And I was like, no! And he well, was... Well, because EW ruined it, like, the week the movie came out. Yeah. Like, they put their magazine out on Monday or whatever, and it's like, Benedict Cumberbatch is back as Khan. And you're like, well, that fucking... That sucked. Yeah. Why would you, why would you release that? So when I went into that movie i was like pretty sure that he was going to be con but i was also kind of like oh, i didn't want it to be spoiled fuck and also it would have been great if they just undercut it, it was like my name is con and like okay mr con so um still kind of need to explain what you're doing uh you know, shooting up a, blowing up a Federation base and shooting up an office full of admirals and uh, hiding out on uh, Klingon homeworld uh, with a bunch of missiles. I, uh, I remember I saw. Oh st- no, he didn't have missiles. We, they had the missiles. But I don't know. Movie makes no sense. Yeah, they had the missiles that had all of Khan's crew members inside, and yeah. somehow no one. No one thought to check the missiles before they loaded them onto the starship. I don't know. Well, but now it was later that it was revealed that, like, you know, uh, RoboCop did put them on there. To yeah. It's, can you imagine if they actually just had, like, robot <laughs> RoboCop? Like, he's actually the villain. He's Fire the missiles. Yeah. Dead or alive, you're coming with me. It's like, really? Yeah. I think, uh, but yeah, that was, I remember very clearly, uh, watching uh, Star Trek in the Darkness and uh, there's the thing where they find out that there's bodies in the or there's they find there's a guy in the missile yeah because it's when they stop on that home world and or not the home world but just some planet and Bones and uh, Carol Marcus yeah uh, go out and they think it's going to blow up but then they open it and there's actually like a guy inside they're like what the fuck and then uh, Kirk rushes into where they're holding uh, John Harrison and it's just like there's like a floor squeak sound effect as he like comes to a halt and looks at uh, John Harrison. John Harrison just looks up at him and it's just this like flat shot of Kirk looking into the cell. He's like, why is there a man in that torpedo? <laughs> <laughs> and it was so, so funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just such a, yeah, valid question. <laughs> why is there a man in the torpedo? And then there's the worst Leonard Nimoy cameo the worst possible use of Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. It's like, I promised I'd never tell you anything that would affect your timeline. But since you asked, here we <laughs> go. And it's like very clearly like shot like in front of like a bookshelf at his house. Yeah. <laughs> and like there's just somebody waiting with like a bag just full of money <laughs> just right off screen. Yeah. And then like the way that they beat him is like they beam all the missiles over to his ship. And then just detonate them. Yeah, um, and then just blow the shit out of him, and like that's not what happened in in Wrath of Khan. Also, Wrath of Khan wasn't it smarter because Khan actually had like a weaker ship. Yeah, he had like a smaller, and he was outmanned. He had the Reliant, and it's a worse ship, and he manages to like best them. And then they use. It's been a while since I've seen Wrath of Khan. Like they use they like fly into like this ion storm, and then somehow use that to to 
get the better of him. And I think Kirk maybe beams over. I can't remember. Yeah, when you watch... Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen Wrath of Khan. Spock was handled really, really well in the 2009 movie and really, really well in Star Trek Beyond. Yeah. So with that in mind, it's kind of a fucking shame that he's even in Into Darkness. Yeah. Like, you, you prefer to think that his final line of dialogue in the Kelvin timeline was, you know, since my customary farewell would seem oddly self-serving, I shall simply say, good luck. Yeah. That would be a great final line for him ever. Yeah. But instead, his final line is like, good luck fighting new Khan. <laughs> Something. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. We've been more kind of, they should have left him out of Into Darkness and yeah. just not made such a big deal about Khan. Yeah. Or just not had Khan. Yeah, just to, you know, do something original. Oh, who would have thought? Also, that, who would thought that would work? Also, Khan's like alive still. He's like in stasis or something. Oh, so. don't bring him back. Don't fucking bring him back. Or uh, I don't know. But anyway, uh, yeah. Star Trek Beyond is awesome. My is. favorite favorite part was the way they handled uh, Spock. Uh, talking about Ambassador Spock, yeah. but really talking about Leonard Nimoy. That was great when he says, uh, when you've lived as many lives as he, fear of death is illogical. Yeah. I, th I thought that was a really fucking beautiful way to like acknowledge Nimoy's career as an actor yeah. while still honoring the fact that like he is Spock. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, I also thought it was fucking amazing when they have the music playing and Jayla is like, you know, yeah, I like the uh, I like the beat and the shouting. <laughs> oh, yeah, the fight the power. Yeah, yeah, that was good. And I love how I love how fight the power is classical music to them. Yeah, like is this classical music? Yeah. Or they're playing sabotage then. Later on, yeah, that was in order. It's so ironic. In order to sabotage the other ships, they're playing yeah. sabotage by the Beastie Boys. It's so good. I thought that was uh, that was one of those things where like they say. You know, we'll have to broadcast something on the alien's frequency, and I was like, "Please let it be sabotage." Yeah, well, and like it was so great that like everything that was like set up earlier like paid off. Yeah, kind of at the end, like you know, she's listening to loud rap music, and he's like, "Is that music? Oh, that's interesting." And they make a big deal of it. She's like, "Yeah, I like the beats and the shouting," and then later, like, we got to broadcast something in order to scramble the swarms. Uh, you know, throw them off and scramble their frequencies so they can't communicate and she's like i got just the thing i have beats and shouting yeah and then you know it's sabotage and kirk's like excellent choice well especially yeah because that's his introduction in the 2009 movie as yeah. a kid is listening to that in his car and then uh also it was the song from the first trailer for star trek beyond yeah as when well it actually has it cuts together the jayla scene and the uh ending scene where uh, it has Scotty walk into uh, the bridge and say like is that music and then they cut to Chris Pine being like that's a good choice and it's like <laughs> hey well played and they sort yeah. of they make it seem like they're on the Enterprise but actually it's like five scenes cut together for that sequence in the trailer but anyway that uh, yeah. so from from the first look at this movie I've been thinking of sabotage in my mind because they used it in that first trailer a lot of people criticized that first trailer actually but anyway oh I thought it was great yeah, and so then um, to, like, have this whole experience of, like, hearing Sabotage in the 2009 movie and then hearing it in the first trailer for this movie and then finally seeing this movie and they're like, we need to play a song. I'm like, you smooth motherfuckers. You're going to play it, aren't you? Yeah. Please do. And it's like they're going to ride 
and they're going to ride a, wa- a tidal wave of explosions in space while listening <laughs> to the Beastie Boys. And I was like, this movie is fucking great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it, I, I'm very pleased with it. And I think I'm going to buy the 50th anniversary Blu-ray box set that's coming out now, which has its 30 discs. Holy shit. It's excellent. So it's the first three seasons, or the only three seasons of the original series. The animated series, the one season of the Star Trek animated series from like the 70s, and then all six um, original cast movies and like five or six di- like feature length documentaries and stuff about different things. That's cool. Yeah. Very neat. And I don't, I don't own any of the movies or the original series, so I'm like, finally, a ridiculous box set that I can justify buying. Like, you know... That's cool. Because there's always like something comes out where I'm like, oh, I already have like one of those or like two of those. Like I was I was able to justify buying the James Bond box set, even though I already owned I think I owned Casino Royale on Blu-ray. I was like, you know what? It's one of twenty two. Yeah. I'll uh, I'll just I'll give it to a Salvation Army or something and I'll buy the the James Bond Blu-ray box set. So I did that, but do you know if yeah. uh, did they ever decide uh, if they're replacing Daniel Craig? Because I've heard a lot of people saying that he doesn't fucking want to do he it. He really is done with James Bond. I think, I think it's pretty much they haven't announced officially that like yes he's gone because technically I think he's still under contract. Yeah, I think he's under contract for like two more movies. Uh, it was two more, including uh, Spectre. Spectre. Okay, so he's got. Technically, one more on his contract, but they're thinking that he's he's been like pretty vocal about not wanting to do. Yeah, it. I think he said like there's no amount of money you could give me to return as James Bond. Because like when you include the fact that like there's like he's been cast as James Bond since like 2005, even though Casino Royale came out in 2006, they like cast him in 2005, I think. Yeah. So he's like been the character. He's been synonymous with the character for like 10 years. Yeah. 11 years. It's uh not that hard to understand why he'd be kind of sick of it. Yeah, well, he's also just like, James Bond is a disgusting, deplorable human being. Yeah. <laughs> and we shouldn't be making movies about him because he's an awful person. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I think so. Matt Damon said that as well. That's why he had a thing talking about why he prefers Jason Bourne because he uh, thinks that James Bond is a piece of shit. Yeah. And he's kind of right. He's He is kind of right, and yet, if they ever changed James Bond to be like n- not a womanizer and like not like a guy who will like murder someone and then make a joke about it, I would be mad. Yeah, I mean that's kind of uh, I don't know. It's one of those things where like he's sort of defined by his irreverence. Yeah, it's like you he, can't you can't make politically correct James Bond. Yeah, he's without taking away everything that makes him James Bond. Like James Bond is basically just a uh power fantasy. And that is like he's like kind of deplorable, but also like kind of fun in the way that power fantasies are deplorable yet fun. Yeah. It's like yeah. the uh like Joss Whedon talks about how uh creating the character of the Hulk in the Avengers, uh one of the things they added that they hadn't previously was uh combination of uh like rage but also like glee um and how there's like you know even negative emotions have like you know joy to them 
Yeah. So, you know, you get really mad and you enjoy being mad, but then you experience shame. And <laughs> there's like, you know, you go from these highs and lows. I feel like power fantasies are kind of a similar thing where like you understand rationally that it's wrong, but you can't like ignore the sort of visceral aspect to it. That anyway, so um I think with James Bond, like it is a power fantasy to think that you can just fly around the world doing whatever you want. But uh, also, rationally, that's, like, not good. And if everyone did that, we'd it'd just be chaos. So yeah, I feel like uh, it's possible that James Bond might just be an outdated character. Yeah, uh, totally. And, like, it's kind of one of the reasons why I don't want Idris Elba to play James Bond. Because everyone would be like, oh, man, it's, you know, it'd be so great to have, like, a person of color playing James Bond. We'd have, like, racial diversity. I'm like... I don't want that. Not because I don't want diversity. I do. I just, I would feel bad for Idris Elba. Because James Bond should just be like a shitty white guy. <laughs> like, like, it's all. Know, like, that's a negative image then for for Idris actors Elba. of color. Yeah. Or, you know. Yeah. I don't know about that specifically, but uh, I do kind of feel like, like it would be kind of better to just make like a modern spy franchise. Like, yeah. like make a sort of team of spies or something and just sort of retire James Bond as a character. Or just have James Bond on a team with Ethan Hunt and Jason Bourne. Yeah. And, and he's like the dick on the team that the other two guys hate. He's Archer, basically. <laughs> yeah. He's just a dude. They should just make Archer movies. Well, I mean, Archer is pretty much James Bond, but yeah, he's like a parody of James Bond in a way, right? It's like James Bond kind of turned up to 11. Yeah, I fucking love Archer. I I've only seen a couple episodes, but it's pretty fun. Yeah, I it's it's on my list, my ever expanding list of shit to watch. But it occurs. Oh. Th- Sorry, go ahead. You had a thought, but then I got another thing. It occurs to me that in the nature that the universe is always expanding to the point where you could never ever reach another galaxy because the universe expands too quickly for you to reach it. Um, not even light speed could reach it. Um. So stop do ru- I stop ruining sci-fi for me, man. So do I. <laughs> so do I feel about my watch list. I, my watch list is expanding at a rate where even if I could watch movies at the speed of light, I would never watch all of the movies I need to watch. Yeah, this is why I'm kind of like God. I hope the singularity happens soon. <laughs> yeah, I want to be. Able, there's so many. Like, there's so many fucking TV shows. There are like hundreds of hours of content, and people are like, "How have you not seen it?" It's like I did other things with my life. <laughs> Like, I was busy watching these other five TV shows, yeah. okay? Yeah, it's so, it's crazy. Yeah, like, people are like, how have you not caught up on Game of Thrones? I'm like, it's like, it's ten hours of shit that I have to get through, okay? I'm a little, I have a job. It's actually uh, 60 hours of shit. It's lots of hours. Well, I mean, but like the next season. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yep. haven't, I haven't finished. Uh, I'm caught up to... The end of season five. I have not watched any of season six yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, have you managed to avoid spoilers? Not at all. No. <laughs> okay. No. Um, I was gonna say. Well, like, I mean, probably some spoilers, but like I know about spoilers for Game of Thrones. In case anyone's in my boat, season uh, six of Game of Thrones spoilers coming at you right now. Yeah. I like. I know that Jon Snow is not dead. Yeah. Like. And I knew that he died before I finished season five, which is why now I'm going to be like, okay, I'm glad they've delayed production. I'm going to get, I'm going to somehow acquire season six of Game of Thrones. Somehow. Somehow. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
Uh, I'll probably stream it. Anyways, somehow get season six of Game of Thrones, watch it, and then find a way. I think one of my friends has HBO, so we're just going to do like HBO, like Game of Thrones night every Sunday or whatever. Because like it's the internet just doesn't give a fuck about spoilers anymore. Yeah, like, it'll be like the next day, be like, oh my god, did you see Game of Thrones where Jon Snow got stabbed a bunch and died in the snow? Like Jon Snow in the snow dying? And I'm like, what in the actual fuck are you talking about? Like, you can't just throw that out there. Like, credible news sources would, like, spoil shit in their headlines. And geektyrant.com, maybe not a... They're an aggregator of news. Um, uh, had a an article at one point titled rape of thrones colon why sansa stark deserved better and i'm like what the fuck better than rape <laughs> everyone deserves <laughs> better than rape first of all thank you for that assessment yeah uh, geek tyrant but like first of all don't throw that shit out there in your headline be like this is a rant about the last episode of game of thrones fucking huge major spoilers if you haven't caught up with it I think uh, one of the things that pisses me off about those sites is when they say, like, you know, major character death, and there's a photo of the character. You're yeah. like, fuck you! Yeah, oh, like, I did the thing to Mike again. <laughs> Sorry. Like, blank yeah. dies in this episode, and it's like a picture of Jon Snow lying in the snow, covered in blood, and you're like, oh, I wonder if it was Jon Snow that died. Yeah. <laughs> fuck. But anyway, um, yeah, so... But how have you not gotten caught up on Game of Thrones? That's I was watching Stranger Things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have not seen that. Okay, that was the thing I was going to ask you about. I was like, oh my god, have you fucking seen Stranger Things? Watch it. Fucking everyone has told <laughs> my mom watched it. <laughs> like, Dude, it is like I I, I don't want to try and like overhype it or anything, but right. like it is it is quality. It's like, like it's just like a good show. It's a really good show, and it's only eight episodes, so like it's pretty easy to get through. Nice. Um, I could probably watch it all tonight, actually. You totally could. Yep. I, I, uh, I unfortunately had a job that prevented me from watching it all in one day, but I think I got through it in about four or five days. Mm. Just because I had my long weekend consisted me of me working for five days in a row. Right. <laughs> so um, it's, you know, it's great. Cool. It's um, a great show. It seems like I don't know anything about it, um, except it's kind. it looks kind of spooky. Um, yeah, it's if you have nostalgia for the '80s, even though we weren't alive in the '80s, if you have nostalgia for the '80s, holy shit, buckle up because it brings the '80s back hard. I like music from the '80s in a great way. I think the '80s was the best decade for movies. To be honest with you, really, I'll throw that out there. Yeah, I think a lot of people would say '70s. Yeah, I mean Star Wars, Rocky. Star Wars, but we got. Two more Star Wars movies in the eighties. Right. We got Empire and Jedi in the eighties, on top of like Terminator, Aliens, fucking uh Die Hard. Fuck, that is good. Yeah. Uh Robocop, Rambo, like Gremlins, all these fucking uh Goonies, all the good Friday the thirteenth movies and all the good Nightmare on Elm Street movies. That is pretty like there's there's a Hellraiser. Yeah, lots I mean, of, horror alone is great. But then when you get into like all the like Spielberg movies too, like E.T. was in the eighties. Um, was Close Encounters in the? No, that was seventies. Seventy nine, seventy eight, seventy nine. It was close to the end. Seventy nine, I think. Yeah, because uh, Jaws was seventy five, I think. Yeah, Jaws. I think they were making Star Wars and Close Encounters at the same time because I know that they they made a deal where they swapped points. 
on on those movies like George Lucas gave uh Steven Spielberg a point of Star Wars and he like percentage of the gross right. is what they call points in the movie biz and he gave him a point on um Close Encounters and then they also uh each of them gave John Milius a point uh of their respective movies and got a point on uh Big Wednesday <laughs> which which was uh John Milius's surfing movie. <laughs> <laughs> One of these things is so, not like the other. <laughs> so he made out like a bandit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I saw there's a great documentary called Milius and uh Steven Spielberg was talking about it was like, Yeah, I'm still waiting to see my payout from Big Wednesday. <laughs> I don't think it's happened yet. But um but like so many great Spielberg movies came out in the eighties because that's when like he was directing movies and also was like producing other people's movies like you got the Indiana Jones trilogy coming out in the eighties. For I mean, maybe if you're talking like art, <laughs> the seventies, the, the but for like fucking great Hollywood like blockbuster cinema that everyone loves, probably eighties. The eighties fucking dominates i think yeah worst bond though worst bond i think so that was when they tried to make bond like all like because like the whole aids thing was going on so they're like we have to have bond practice safe sex and it's like no you don't that's part of that uh <laughs> political correct correctness thing that we talked about bond where yeah. he's kind of like you can't have bond putting on a condom he's outdated but that's kind of the point yeah james bond doesn't give a shit about aids if James Bond can get AIDS, that just ruins James Bond for everyone else. Because, like, James Bond would be the one guy that would fuck a million women in the 80s and never get AIDS. Hmm. He's just lucky you know? that way. He's a, it, it's that it's that whole power fantasy thing, right? Where it's like... Yeah. It's like what I remember He's like seeing an interview with someone when there was that whole thing about, like, uh, mandatory condom usage in porn. Hmm. And, like, some porn star guy was talking about, like, people don't want to see condoms in porn because that reminds you that, like, oh, yeah, chlamydia is a thing that I can get. Hmm. It, like, ruins the fantasy, I guess. I don't know. Right. We should talk about something else before we... <laughs> <laughs> Just awkwardly before, sitting here. Before we go into a porn tangent, <laughs> do you want to wind up talking about porn for a while? <laughs> you want that recorded forever? Nope. <laughs> Let's move on. So Yeah, the 80s movies movies were good. Terminator. Yeah. Yeah. I think... Uh, John Hughes did all his great work in the 80s. Yeah, lots of good stuff in the 80s. You know who you should tell this to uh, is Brad. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Brad, the 80s were the best decade for cinema. <laughs> like, oh, fuck you, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love <laughs> your impression of Brad. <laughs> Was that too good of a Brad impression? I don't I, It's just... <laughs> He's so proper. <laughs> it's just such a funny thing to see. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's it's one of those things where it's not about accuracy. It's just funny that you think that. <laughs> oh God! I hope he listens to this. You should uh, you should isolate just this and just send it. <laughs> just just send it. Just send him that oh, sentence God. out of context. Just say, "Oh fuck you! Oh fuck you, Aaron!" Oh God, yes. Oh, it's amazing. Oh, yeah. 
no one else is gonna find that funny. It's just us. Except like I don't know, like, Nick. Yeah, Nick <laughs> and Samit and those guys might find it funny. If you can isolate that, send it to me because I'd like to play it while we're shooting that <laughs> thing. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that'd be good. And it doesn't seem like we're gonna top that. Do you want to maybe call it? Should we call it here? Yeah, it's that's been kind of like nearly 90 minutes i think yeah it's an hour and a half right there sounds like a good place to leave it you want to plug your twitter or anything like that yeah my uh, twitter is uh at macaulay aiden i tweet about stuff that's going on in my life things i'm interested in and the movies that i am writing and or making and so you can uh, find me on twitter i also have a youtube account but uh don't post super frequently to that but uh you know so it's all good uh that's that's me Cool. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Dawson Funk, and um, if you are listening to this on uh, the internet, if you want to hop over to iTunes and subscribe, that would be cool. Maybe tell your friends about it. Um, other than that, uh, I think yeah, have a good one. Thank you.